Hello everyone and welcome to our Cast and Crew Q&A. My name is Lena and today I have for you an interview with Q Wanderer. Q Wanderer, aka Irene Wendy Wood, plays the parts of Asmodite and others, as well as pitching in with art and information sorting, which has been incredibly fun. Irene is autistic and enjoys reading aloud and imitating voices. T read Good Omens first in the early aughts and appreciated it immensely, but didn't become actively involved in the fandom until the release of the miniseries. T then inhaled the miniseries, and subsequently any and all fanfictions he could find, as well as writing quite a few fics themselves. Irene has been writing fanfiction on and off since 2003, most of which can be found under the name Q Wanderer on AO3, as well as releasing five novels. T is excited to be practicing and improving their audio recording and editing skills over the course of this project. Q Wanderer, it's an honor to have you with us today. Tell us a bit about yourself before we start. Where are you from? Um, what do you do aside from fandom? All right, well, I live just outside Philadelphia, and during the day, I'm a, a warehouse worker, uh, but my calling is storytelling. I just, I love to write, and uh, I love to write both fan fiction and books, and I have a lot of other little hobbies, but, you know, they're just... Writing is your main one. Yeah. Writing is what I do. <laughs> and um, when did you land first in fandom and how, how was it? Let's see. Um, well, this is, is going to be a long answer because uh, I've sort of always been in fandom. I was raised um, uh, in a very, like my mom is a Trekkie. She's always been a Trekkie since before I was born. And uh, so uh, in our house, we had not just... Star Trek on the TV and Star Trek novels on the shelf. We also had um, the New Voyages anthologies, which are these two collections of short stories by Star Trek fans. And a lot of them were originally published in zines. So although we weren't involved in the zines, uh, the production of zines and the distribution of zines, I was sort of always aware that they were there, that there was a, that there was a fandom community. And I've also gone to a couple of conventions uh, with my mom in my younger years. But then uh, in college, I became aware that there was this online fan fiction archive because my friend William was writing, I think it was, uh, let's see, uh, Final Fantasy fan fiction. And I didn't, I didn't play Final Fantasy, but I did... Uh, I read his fic because he showed it to me and he went, oh, and there's all these things online where you can find everybody's stories like this. And I went, oh, I'm going to read uh, some Terry Pratchett fan fiction. And so th that was uh, 2002, 2003. And I started writing, you know, a little here and there, just mostly gen fan fiction. Like I had a, I had a Harry Potter story which was uh, a total Mary Sue, a new character meets Ginny, mm -hmm. uh, and they have an adventure together. Um, and a, a lot of, like, Discworld stuff and a lot of poetry, but it didn't really stick yet because I wasn't sort of really involved in fandom deeply the way I am. I didn't, I didn't yet have that calling for storytelling. Um, so I did my my other stuff, all my other little hobbies that I do. I did my art and I, you know, my crafting and 
Uh, and then I came back, I think, in 2006 a little bit when I'd seen Firefly because I was like, Firefly is great and I have stories I want to tell about that. But uh, it wasn't until 2012. Uh, I had just gotten divorced and uh, I I just seen the Avengers movie. And uh, those combined with first getting an account on Tumblr and uh, I was learning a lot about myself and I was learning a lot about uh, society as a whole. And I was sort of being disillusioned about the uh, the religion and the religious life that I'd grown up in. And uh, that all sort of <laughs> it, it it made a soup of things that were happening. It sort of transformed my life and uh, it ended up with me going I want to tell stories. I, I want to tell stories about queer people. And uh, so I wrote a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> and then I wrote a lot of other stuff. <laughs> Is that around the same time that you started writing your original stories? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, my original stories. Um, I, I had one that I had been working on since I I had more than one that I'd been working on since college but it was still like in the hobby realm it was like oh this is fun to play with and I had one in particular that same friend William had a, a bunch of ideas uh that he was like I want to make this into a book but I I need someone to work with to bounce ideas back and forth and so uh my first book that was published was actually part of that uh world it it was uh something that we worked worked as co-authors on but that was around the time that I I started putting together my second book which took a lot less time <laughs> once you once you finish your first book you have so many new skills and then your second book goes a lot faster I found in my own experience at least mm -hmm. and um when did you get into the good omens fandom because you said you'd already read a lot of um Tarot Pratchett but what about good omens um, that was another college friend introduced me to Pratchett and to Good Omens. Um, mm -hmm. She was actually from New Zealand, so uh, she had, <laughs> uh, it was like, Pratchett w was, I guess, bigger there at the time than it was in America. I mean, his work was, was bigger in the, in the colonies <laughs> than in the States. So I read it then, and I really liked it, but... The ideas appealed to me more than the characters. The ideas were what stuck in my head. And that's partly because I wasn't I wasn't the same person that I am now. And I didn't, you know, I didn't interact with characters the way I do now. But mm -hmm. also, uh, when I watched the series, I went, these are all the ideas that I loved about the book when I read it years and years ago. But the characters are now really pulling me in and wanting making me want to tell stories about them. Mm -hmm. So you didn't get into fan the Good Omens fandom until the miniseries, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And what about Podfic? When did you find out it existed? Well, you know, I've always been sort of vaguely aware. Um, I, uh, I'll be scrolling through AO3 and I'll go, oh, I want to read that fic. Wait, that says it's a pod fic. I'll click on it and then I'll click on the fic so I can read it. I, I'm not really a pod fic listener. 
do you remember when you found out about Potfic? Did you think it was strange? Oh, no, because, I mean, there's always been a strong culture um, in my family of, of reading aloud, not just right. not just with my parents and my siblings, but also with my grandparents. I know they read aloud to my parents a lot. So my, my dad's parents especially are really into books, and my aunt has been trying to write a book for years and years and years. But, yeah, we're all, I mean, storytelling has been part of my life even before I felt called to do it. And uh, we read the Harry Potter books aloud as a family uh, when they came out after I think the third one or the fourth one. I know we read the fourth, fourth one aloud together as soon as it came out. So it was just, yeah, Podfix sounds like, you know, doing that as a fandom rather than as a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you done any Podfix yourself aside from, from the project? Hmm. Yeah, um, it's usually one of my own fic, although I have done, I think, one or two other things. Um, but it wasn't really, like, uh, as part of the podfic community, it felt more like, um, you know, I have, I have this story and I can hear it in my head and I just want to uh, illustrate how it sounds to me for other people mm -hmm. in case they wanted to listen to it as well, my interpretation. Especially with characters like Loki from the MCU, I, mm -hmm. I'd i hear his voice in my head every time I read an especially uh, striking fic with, with lines that sounded like him. And uh, a lot of my own work, I've been like, I'm not sure if I'm getting down how it sounds in my head but I want people to know how it sounds in my head. Right. Yeah, no, I totally can relate to that, to, to create an apothecary just because it has a particular sound in your head that you want others to, to hear. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for me, that personally is a bit about creating in the same way that I, I would create a story, a written fic, um, putting mm -hmm. the words for the characters that I think they would say. But how, how do you find the written medium similar or different from, from Um, Well, I think at its heart, it's all about storytelling, which, of mm -hmm. course, is the basis of my passion for writing. And I, I always... Um, the way I think is in words. So the words for the storytelling is always sort of the underlying basis for me. And anything outside of that, like pictures that I might draw or recordings that I might make, a sort of just illustrations, like the way you'd have a picture book or a comic book or uh, uh, an interpretation on the stage or on a screen. Yeah, fair enough. And what about the community side, the fandom side to all of this? How have you found the different communities, not just the, the fic writing, but also the part fic community? Mm. Well, um, I absolutely love the... the uh, the relationships that I have with my my readers and other other fic writers and just people in fandom who appreciate the same things about these materials as I do. And um, because I, I don't listen to a lot of pod fic or um, or make, you know, a ton of it myself compared to what I'm writing. Um, I mean, this is the f this project is the first place where I've really uh, had 
interactions that were really centrally based around podfic and i found that to be something really new and interesting for me Mm -hmm. but it's just just as great as all my other fandom interactions (laughs) (laughs) right and how did you find out about the project i was contacted because i actually i do have a good omens podfic although it's it's not honestly among my best podfics uh, <laughs> um so i was contacted as a voice actor and i said yes i would like to be part of it so you immediately knew you wanted to participate yeah um i thought i i don't know what part i want but i want a small part or several small parts because um the thought of of doing a an extended large part where I'm reading the same character regularly for months and months was incredibly intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard from other voice actors that when they auditioned, they put down a couple of names and they were like, oh, I could do these or these. Um, did you have any names in mind from the um, smaller parts? Yeah, I had several and one of them was Asmodai. I was very much interested in playing Asmodai. And I had others and they weren't really... It wasn't really about the character. It was it was the size of the part and the meat of the part. It was that... It was a moment of attitude where I was like, oh, that's cool. I would like to do that. Um, yeah, I I actually put my name down for Pepper. But I think one of the reasons that they might not have picked me for that is that this is a it's a book-based project and whenever I do a voice for someone who's in the show I can't help but sort of imitate the show voice of the actor who was doing that (laughs) I might have sounded a little bit similar (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no I find that very very relatable (laughs) Mm mm-hmm um, so what was it like when you heard back after auditions and they came back to you and said, hey, now you, you got Asmodai? I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Asmodai was my top choice. Um, and I was like, I've got this part and I've got these other parts. And that's like a perfect amount for me. <laughs> <laughs> do you do any other smaller parts? Yeah, um, I have I have two smaller parts that I was assigned at the beginning with the auditions and they weren't, you know, they were, they were interesting, but you know, they were very minor. And then I've also had a few that I've picked up along the way as the project has gone on. And it's just because they needed someone to do the part. And I was, oh yeah, that, that sounds fun too. So. (laughs) Right. But just very minor parts that just appear in a chapter or two, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I have I have my second most fun part I think is um Harold and he he appears in two chapters and only one of them's been published but I read them both at the same time. I like to be able mm-hmm. to read it all all at once. So I know I'm getting it consistent. Mm-hmm. So more on Asmodai, can you could you describe Asmodai from your point of view? All right. So I first noticed him as a role I wanted for a couple of reasons and one is that he's only in three chapters and I could record all that material at once like I was saying uh I like to do that um but he really does have this uh 
this presence, he really makes himself known as part of the story. And yeah, it's it's a role that's got some meat to it. But it felt more like something I could have fun with and not stress about because he's not supposed to be relatable. It's a little bit difficult to get inside his head. Mm-hmm. And because I'm autistic, I know I can miss emotional nuances sometimes and hit weird notes without n- noticing. And I can I can act. I can I can give a neurotypical performance pretty well if I give it some effort and planning, but I like dramatic villains because I feel like I can just go for it and just let them sound a little bit off. And that's going to be part of the picture that you're trying to present. And then if you do get inside Asmodai's head, I guess he's similar to a lot of other revenge-driven villains, but one of my favorite parts about him is that he isn't bored by things. Like, you'll get these bored villains. They'll be, uh, oh, I don't care about this. When does the screaming start? Or whatever. And um, Asmodai isn't bored. He's He's got this revenge journey, but along the way, he's like, oh, isn't that interesting? Or, oh, how does that work? Or, well, you certainly have potential. Like, he's got... He's tying everything back into his revenge plan, sure, but he's having fun geeking out about stuff along the way. <laughs> <laughs> right, he he has a personality aside from his revenge. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Another thing that drew me to him is the gender fuckery that is his wearing a female body around and using male pronouns and just generally not feeling the need to adhere to that binary. And as a non-binary person myself, that appealed to me, although... It's kind of ironic that in the end, he couldn't let go of the binary between hell and heaven. So it's an interesting story that way, too. Right. All right. So so all in all, uh, what would you say that you like the most about voice acting or if there is anything you dislike? Right. Um, so I just I love if I can do something, you know, dramatic and a little weird. Uh, I love, you know, the actual uh speaking the 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 acting and the recording i don't so much like the editing <laughs> so when i do my own podfic i tend to just go i i do it all in one shot and uh i do as little editing as possible uh <laughs> so uh and that means that well because my background is in reading aloud and especially out of the harry potter books i'm I'm very practiced at switching back and forth between accents. So I'll just do that in a story. If I'm if I'm the only voice, I'll just switch back and forth. So I don't have to edit it later because that would be terrible. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. I remember I once tried to do a podfic for a challenge that was recording every single character separately and then mm. the narration and then edit mm-hmm. everything together. And because I'm very much like that, I don't like editing. I just want to read. Um, mm-hmm. It turned out good. The, the final, the final podfic was good, but it was so much work. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. I, I bet someone who enjoys editing would have really liked to do that. That person is mm. not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually relate to that a lot. Mm. Um, Let's move on into the work you do as an artist as well. Um, tell mm. us, when when did you first start drawing? Well, that's another thing where I have to go back to the culture of my family because, um, like, my mom is an illustrator, freelance illustrator for, like, just little things occasionally. 
and um so and she's she's also got a passion for um for crafting and especially paper crafting and so the culture of my household has always been like when you when you do art projects in school it's not just oh art's something you do when you're a little kid it's art is something you do to feed your soul and to communicate and do all this stuff so it's something that I never stopped doing mm-hmm. so I can't exactly point to uh, a point in my life and say this is when I started like doing art right yeah and when did you or maybe it was always like this for you as well but th- was there any point when you started drawing more for fandom Ah, uh, let's see um not really I mean I, uh, when I would write my own stories, I would often do a little doodle or two as an illustration. And when I started doing fan fiction, I would do a little doodle or two as an illustration. But by the time, uh, by the time 2012 rolled around and I was really seriously getting into fandom, I had already decided that I didn't want to be an artist and I didn't want to draw every day. So, uh. It's it's still sort of that way for me. It's like if I have an idea, I'll pick it up and I'll and I'll execute it. And it's not something that I do all the time. It's just something that I occasionally feel like. Mm-hmm. So then, how do you pick the chapters that you really want to make cover art for? Mm. Well, at first, I had no intentions of being an artist for the project, uh, unless someone needed art for a chapter at really short notice, because I know I'm. And that's one of my favorite ways to interact as a fan artist is to be a pinch hitter for a project. I I'm very I'm very casual about my art, so I have I have a fairly easy time, relatively speaking, of just making something and saying, "Okay, it's done and and it's ready." Mm-hmm. Um. So the first chapter that I did was a pinch hit. Um. And it was just they needed someone for it, so I did it, and then. And then everyone was like, oh, that's so good. And you should do more art for the project. And uh, I had a I had a lull in my writing. And I wanted to do some art to just, you know, refresh my mind. And I was looking at the chapters and I was going, I want to do that. I feel like I could do justice to that chapter because I... I With the first cover that I did, it was kind of eerie and it was it was detail oriented because that's how I I that's the mood that my art has tended towards lately is eerie and detail oriented. And I went looking for chapters that had that same kind of uh feel to them that I could pick something and and do the chapter justice using that, using that mood of sort of It's it's a little weird and it's a little and it's very detailed and rich and it's about objects. So mm-hmm. I picked I picked chapters that I thought I could do that for. Cool. And what is um your process once you've picked a chapter? How do you decide what well you want to focus on objects you just mentioned, but how do you decide mm-hmm. what you want to put in the image? Right. It is like Uh, after that first chapter, it it has been about. Um, I first choose it by going, what is an object I can focus on that would really embody the chapter? So, uh, yeah. So I already have an object in mind if I'm picking the chapter. Um, mm-hmm. 
And for example, I had one recently that was put up that was just um, Christmas lights against stone. And so Mm -hmm. I took that, um, that image and I went, you know what? I want to get out the black paper. I have black paper. I don't, I don't have a lot of various supplies anymore because I've sort of, I've pared down my art supplies severely. I've had to move a bunch of times. So uh, (laughs) there's only, uh, there's only a few supplies that I've really kept around consistently. And one of them is black paper because it's so much fun to turn things around and uh, take out a white pencil and just draw light instead of drawing dark. So yeah, they've all been really different processes, actually, because it's always been about um, why did I feel like picking this and what am I excited about right now about this? Right. So it depends on the picture. Mm. And then does it also depend on the picture how long it would take you? Oh, yes. Um, For uh, I think it was chapter 29. Uh, that took a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's the feather, isn't it? Yes, the feather mm-hmm. and the tracking device and the map and the needle and the map. I spent a very long time on the map. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I have to take a map and sort of distort it so it's at the angle where I'm yeah. it's the same as it would be in the picture and then I have to trace the lines. I did trace that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a map with enough accuracy. Yeah. And I I wanted to trace it with enough accuracy that no one would go, oh, that's that's not what that coastline looks like at all. But I also didn't want to, you know, drive myself nuts over it. So <laughs> right, of course, it was a it's it was an interesting line to walk. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially considering that you said you're rather casual with your art, um, how do you? put that together with the amount of detail that you're willing to put into your your images. Mm. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, the thing about detail um, and me, I'm, I'm autistic, so details mm-hmm. are, are the easy part for me. It's the overall picture where I, I struggle a lot as an artist. Yeah. Um, like, I love when I can just sort of relax and, and sort of uh say okay i've got i've got the picture set up the way i want it and now all i have to do is add all these little textural bits and all these details and all this other stuff mm-hmm. as long as everything else as long as all the larger elements are already in the places where i want them then art can be actually very relaxing right so what would you say is the most the thing you like the most and the least about your work as an artist mm well, what I've enjoyed most with my art on this project, I think, has been that sort of um, the textural aspect and sort of getting into the um, I don't I don't know how to say this, uh, making the the picture look like it feels like something texturally, like evoking something not just visually, but like evoking something that you would that feels that you know when you look at it it you can tell what it would feel like to touch yeah no i i i know i know what you mean i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to think back to your images cuz i was thinking especially of the feather again it was 
the feather and the, the fact that the map is sort of like on a wooden surface. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was definitely thinking about that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can I can see what you mean. Yeah. Um, we will probably have the um, art put in the AO3 post. So if anyone mm -hmm. is just listening, uh, you can go to the AO3 post for this interview and see the images that mm -hmm. Q-Wanderer has drawn. Um, but let's move on to our, your work as an organizer, because you also participate in the project as an organizer. So could you describe a little what you do? All right. Well, um, I at first I was more like I was... I was in charge of noticing things, I felt like. <laughs> I started out by um, just being around on the Discord and saying, uh, and no and noticing if something was out of place and just bringing it to someone's attention, like, uh, uh, this has a typo in it, or, or we should maybe get someone working on that because it looks like it might need to happen soon. And then, uh, like... As as I got more invested in the project, this happens to me, I get very invested in group projects as it goes on. I like to keep my role small to start with because I know it's just gonna it's just gonna spread out. I'm just gonna take on more stuff as it goes on. So I need I noticed that we needed transcripts for some of our um our social media posts. And I was like, that's something that I can do fairly easily comparatively um mm -hmm. and I took that on and then I also I had mentioned that we needed to have someone working on the tumblr in terms of having all the pages actually all the links go to pages and the pages have something on them and um you know I didn't I didn't especially want to take that on because I didn't know how other people wanted it done I didn't want to make that decision but it came mm -hmm. to a point where I was like uh, someone needs to do this and no yeah. one else is doing it and I can do it fairly easily and if someone has a problem with what I'm doing they can tell me and <sighs> I don't want to be the one making the decisions which is why I'm not you know I don't have the organizer role on the discord because I don't want someone to come to me and go so as an organizer what's your opinion on this but it's like <sighs> if if there's organizational work that's just moving information from one place to another then uh, I will often step up and do that because that part's fairly easy for me. Right. Well, something I really like about the way we're we're doing this project is that most of the decisions I think are taken in by the group. We we mm -hmm. all take the decisions, so I don't think there's been a case where we've been okay. All organizers, we're going to think about this. Um, yeah. Generally, we have people who organize particular parts of things. Like for example, I'm more invested in the social media part of things. So if someone has a question about Tumblr or something like that, it, it would be normal that they would ask me. Um, but I don't think that someone would come just to me and say like, hey, how do you think we're going to do this? So that's something that I really like. Like, I don't mind having the organizer tag because mm -hmm. I know that it's not yeah. going to be just me making the decision. Yeah. But but I, I do see what you mean, that it's it's a little daunting when some decision has to be taken and then you're like, well, I have to say something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically you just started doing small things and then it sort of snowballed into being a little bit everywhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you say you like the most and the least about doing these tasks? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, 
I still like just when I can notice something and go, mm-hmm. hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I like it when it's, you know, it's a simple fix and it would have been, you know, not not great if it if it had just gone on being that way, but it's going to be better because I just said, oh, hey. <laughs> I sort of like that feeling. Um, And then I... I definitely, I least like having to go to people and and get uh, answers about things. I like it when the information is just there and I can move it around. <laughs> um, yeah. You're thinking of the social media credits, yeah? That sometimes we need to the, uh, update the spreadsheet. Yeah, and the, trans- the transcripts for the covers when I need the a description of the image. Mm. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that happens mm-hmm. yeah I put together the, the teasers for Instagram and sometimes mm-hmm. um, the art will be finished but there will be no cropped version and I try mm-hmm. to let the artist give me their cropped version just so I don't have to choose what part of the image they like the most and they want to tease um, but sometimes I just have to remind it and I'm like I don't want to nag but I need yeah. this exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that happens sometimes yeah mm-hmm. um do you have just out of curiosity the proofreader role i do not um one of the reasons for that is um as as the person who transcribes the images i always mm-hmm. have my right. eyes on them before <laughs> before they go to the proofreader role and another reason is that the proofreader role catches things that i wouldn't like because I see what I'm looking for, you know, I'm, when I do the transcripts, I'm looking for specific things. And if something's out of place in terms of, uh, in terms of the project as a whole, like if someone notices that, uh, the wrong person or the wrong chapter or whatever, that's not what I'm looking for when I'm doing the transcription. So it's not something that I easily see. Fair enough. You do actually have to see it anyway. So yeah. Mm. Then I think of that. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the final few questions that I had for you. Well, one of them was going to be, what is something that you identify with um, with Asmodai? But you've already mm-hmm. told us quite a bit about why Asmodai <laughs> is just pretty much the perfect character for you. So mm-hmm. I'll ask you, do you have a favorite cover art picture that you have drawn and a favorite by other people? Right. Um. My favorite is the the feather and the tracking device that I've done. <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> it was intense, but it was just it turned out so great. Um, the more the more I look at it, the the more I look at it, the more I'm like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the covers overall, I I have to say two things. I have to say that every time grin posts art i just it's jaw-droppingly beautiful um it's just i love her style it's mm-hmm. it's it's amazing um yeah. but i think my favorite cover picture overall is um the one that vivi did for um i have the chapter number written down somewhere but i uh, think i know which one you're going to say 38 I think yeah 38 uh, with, is also one of my favorites <laughs> with um uh with Raphael and Uriel yes. smoking yes 
it's it's beautiful it's one of my favorites too yeah mm. yeah those are and it's so colorful i really like the way the the smoke works in the mm. picture i have no idea how you would make that like i'm not an artist but mm-hmm. it's it's really it's really good i really like it and i think yeah. if the 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 signature or the yeah that's what it's called the signature vivis signature is also drawn with smoke it's just mm. such a cool detail i love it Oh, I don't know if I'd noticed that, but it yeah, it's cool. in the yeah, it's in the left bottom corner of the image. Mm-hmm. At least I think that's her signature. I think it says Vivi. Maybe I'm just mm. pretending to see things in the smoke, but <laughs> I would say that's her name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, of course, we have all of our artists are super talented, but I just mm-hmm. always love to hear what pictures stand out to to other people mm-hmm. in the project. So. Yeah, thank you for telling us. Mm-hmm. Um, and a final question: What is something you've learned during this project as a as a voice actor, artist, organizer, as mm-hmm. anything? Right. So, um, I think I have learned um a lot about recording and editing. Like, I I just sort of make podfic before as sort of this casual thing that I just I just slap it together, and I've I've learned a lot from being part of a community that um that has a lot of experience with it and knows like exactly what settings you want to use and and exactly how to set things up and and what to edit and what to leave leave <laughs> as it is so and uh and as an artist I've I've learned a couple of new things as well I I don't know if I can articulate those but uh <laughs> every time you do a new piece of visual art you learn something um <laughs> would you say you've learned more about your own style or maybe more about the technicalities of actually using um your art supplies to create an image? Um mm. <laughs> like <laughs> in the neighborhood of style but also in the neighborhood of the, what my strengths are as an artist. So uh it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to articulate. Uh, yeah, um, it happens with art sometimes. Yeah, but then also as an organizer, um, it's been it's been really interesting to watch how the organizational structure works in this project and to be part of it because, um, you know, I've been I've been part of a lot of big fandom projects and uh, I'm just I'm just attracted to big groups of fans trying to do one thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it it's um. It's always been fun, and I think it's uh, never really uh, accomplished all of what it set out to do. And this project, it feels like it's it's going to accomplish everything it's setting out to do, and it's just so interesting to see what things are, are different and what people are doing to make this happen, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to a lot of the other projects I've worked on, so... That's been that's been a big thing that I've learned and that I'm very happy to have had this experience. Right. And because I know a lot of people are intimidated by big groups of fandom doing anything or sometimes they Mm. just don't think it will work out. Like you said, Um, would you say Mm -hmm. that you are more interested in this kind of event because your family has always been fandom adjacent, so to speak? Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. It's like I've always been encouraged to like mm-hmm. be creative and be excited about 
what I'm reading or viewing and to, to contribute my own stuff to that. And, uh, it's, it's just part of who I am and who I've been sort of raised to be is just be part of this community and get excited and, and do what you feel called to do. So. Right. Well, that's, that's awesome. Mm. Well, Thank you for talking with us, Qwanderer, and tell us where can people find you online. All right. Well, I'm Qwanderer on on Tumblr and on AO3 and a couple of other places, but I'm never actually there. So um, I'm easiest to find on Tumblr. I also have a website for my books at uh, irenewendywo.com, although that's actually a side blog of my main tumblr <laughs> so all right well thank you so much mm -hmm. yeah it's been fun talking with you <laughs> so this was all we had for today next time we'll be talking to bibi one of our artists so keep your ears ready for that